this week, this week has been uh, the, a week when everybody thought, I think a lot of people thought, I shouldn't say everybody, but I think uh, most people thought this week would be when a lot of things would be put to rest and put to bed. However, we know, standing here, regardless of if you want to call it a fence, regardless of which side of the political fence that you, or the social uh, fence that you're on uh, in America, we know that everything didn't get put to rest this week. In fact, it's probably even at a more critical point, a more there is more tension now than there has been to point. Uh, so, I, you know, again, I can't speak for everybody, but I know there are many people within the realm of evangelical Christians and, and Protestant religion and even the Jewish religion and, uh, that, that right now are, uh, they're a little bit, um, if, if you would, they're a little bit uncertain. They're a little bit disappointed. There's been a lot of prophecy that's went out, a lot of prophetic words that went out about about the election and and different things like that. And let me say this: I'm not I'm not disregarding or discrediting anybody at all. Time will tell. But this is the one thing I want you to understand: God is not the author of confusion. Okay, every single one of us, regardless of who we are. And what we do, every single one of us find ourselves operating in an element or in a dimension of flesh. Doesn't matter who the preacher is or the prophet is or the prophetess is. We find ourselves all, we serve God in this life in the flesh. Sometimes the flesh is prone to error. So there, could there have been some errors made? Yes, there could have been some errors made. Were they, were they intentional? Probably not. Probably not. Miss Elaine, could you step over there and cut that fan off for me, please, ma'am? Probably not. But listen to me. I want you to understand this one thing. Again, God has not failed us, and God will never fail us. And He has not lost control. Whether you think, whether things have went to please you, or if that you're, you're displeased. God is still in control. So, but I want to preach this message, uh, and this message as a message of encouragement about us right now. Us. Us as a people. Us as Christian people. Us as a nation. Us as, uh, as, as, uh, believers in Jesus Christ. I want to preach this about us. And, and I simply entitled it with a question, what must we do now? And, and, and you see, you see a runner. And, and I thought about, I, I thought about Paul when I picked out this picture for the slide. I thought about Paul and Paul talks about we, we all run a race, but we all have to run this race to the end. Okay? Quitters will never win. I want you to know that. Can you hear me? Quitters will never win. 
There is no place to stop. There's no room to quit. There's no room to, to let go, to back up. Or, or if you, and, and I thought about this. I won't call it a prophetic dream. I won't call it an hour or a vision. But I did grasp a mental picture this week. I've had a mental picture all day long. Even before the election took place on Tuesday, I, I had, on Monday, I, I had this mental picture of, uh, I, you know, I'm not, I, I wouldn't call myself a Civil War buff, but I did do and I have and I'd still find the Civil War very interesting in a lot of different ways. And, and, and I, But one of the things I can remember, whether it was blue or gray, the one thing that would happen, if the fellow carrying the flag got shot, if the fellow that carried the flag got, got, got struck down by sword, what happened is another soldier would lay down their rifle, they would lay down their gun, and they would pick up the flag of the respective army that they were in and the flag would be carried and the flag would be carried proudly but the person carrying the flag was perhaps the most vulnerable people person on the battlefield because he was unarmed but the flag the the flag the banner the banner had to be carried the banner would be carried and you and I, we have the responsibility of carrying the banner of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and carrying that banner high. And I, I, one of the first songs that I could ever remember was when I was a, an Episcopalian child. Yeah, that's right. I, 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 how did I end up in Pentecostalism? I, you know, I don't know. Is this the Lord? But, but as a small child, I attended, I was took and dropped off. My sister and I, were dropped off by our parents most often at the Episcopal Church. And I can remember being in that little Episcopal Church children's choir and having that my little white robe with the collar on it. And and, and Miss Sadie Lawrence taught us songs and she played the piano and she would direct the, the junior choir from the piano. I remember the first church song I ever was taught was a song that says, Onward. Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus. With the cross of Jesus. I remember that. I remember that. And Lord will, and hopefully I'll never forget that. I'll forget what somebody told me yesterday. Some of you maybe told me something before we began this morning. I've already forgotten it. You know, there's two signs of old age. The first one is losing your memory. And the second one, I can't recall what it was. But I remember stuff from way back when. And I remember onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. So what must we do now? What, where, where do we go from here as the church? Where do we go from here as the nation? Where do we go from here as people? Daniel chapter 10. I could just, I could just go right into it right now, but I want to read some scripture to you. Daniel chapter 10 verse 7 through 14. Keep in mind, this is a prophetic. When, when you start, when you start reading Daniel, when you, especially this where we're at right now, when you start reading this this in Daniel, understand with me, this has a direct connection. This has direct ties to the book of Revelation. It has direct ties with Matthew. When you go to Matthew and you begin to read chapter twenty three, but especially twenty four and twenty five. Okay, I Daniel was the only one. Who saw the vision. 
Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. Terror there actually means the presence of God. So I was left alone. Gazing at this great vision, I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep and my face to the ground. A hand touched me and and set me trembling on my hands and, and knees. And he said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words that I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. I got my scriptures out of line, didn't I? Okay. Wait a minute, I got to go back. Let me reread this. I fell to the deep sleep of my face to the ground. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come to respond to them. Okay, this period was 21 days. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come... In response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. A hand touched me, set me trembling on my hands and knees, and he said, Daniel... You are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up. For I have now, have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. My apologies for getting the scriptures out of order. I've had computer problems all week long. But I want to preach to you for the next few minutes concerning what was me do now. Humanity, mankind, has always had the propensity to endeavor to work out their own problems. I'm that way. To be frank about it, and if you are honest with yourself, you're the same way. You want to work out your own problems. You you want you you want to fix things yourself. We we put off the. I, I did something to my wrist about three a little bit over three weeks ago. Now I've tried one brace. I've tried another brace. I've tried a brace up here. I've tried. I've rubbed liniment on my hand. I, I've done. I, I, I've stick my hand under uh, uh, warm water to try to make it feel better. I, I, I'm I'm I'm. I really think I can fix it. Okay. I really think I can handle this. I really think I can work it all out. Now, have I, have I really prayed and asked God to heal my hand? To be very honest with you, not that I would be dishonest, but to be very honest with you, it's going to sound very unspiritual to you, but I really haven't even given a thought to ask God to heal my hand. Now, I've prayed for others, but I haven't really asked God to heal my hand. I think I can work it out. I, I think I can fix it. You're, you're that same way. We're all that way in, in a manner of speaking. We, we endeavor to work out our own problems rather than, than pray and wait 
maybe a better motto in our life is we, we're more about praying and working, but realistic, we're, we're, we probably are people that want to work, try to work it out and then pray it out. I told Charlie Howard, that, and I hope Charlie's watching this, so the, Reggie, you you know what I'm talking about. You know, we was down here the other morning having a cup of coffee at the furniture store. That's the new local hangout since, you know, pandemic. So we're down here at the furniture store, and 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 uh, we was just carrying on a little bit. You know, those of you that know me, you know I love to pick. We were carrying on just a little bit, and Charlie got carrying on. And somebody said, "Preacher, you don't have to lay hands on Charlie." I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna lay hands on him, all right, and then I'm gonna pray for him real good." You know, we 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 tend to do that. We tend to want to work things out, and then and then and then if then if it don't work out, we'll pray about it. It's sort of like Christmas. Listen, Christmas time's coming up. And men, men, whether you're an uncle or whether you're a dad or you're a grandpa, how many of y'all can relate to, and this, ladies, this is a good chance for y'all to say amen. How many of y'all can re- relate to after you tried to put the bicycle together or after you tried to put the new piece of furniture together, after you done tried and you got it all messed up, then you pull out the directions and read it. It's the way we do things. You see, so so we often are about working and then praying. Well, uh, sometimes we struggle because in a, we the lack of an immediate response from God, we take it as a sign. Well, surely God must not be listening to me. Now, for this instance, this circumstance, we know that Daniel went into fasting and prayer. And, and we, we call it a Daniel fast. It's a very popular thing nowadays. Jensen Franklin is uh, uh, has probably got wealthy off the Daniel fast, along with a few others. And I'm not being critical of him. I, I really actually love his teaching on the Daniel fast. But, but, but. Daniel for 21 days, Daniel ate no pleasant thing. But but yet, you know, while he was doing that, he did not realize it, but spiritual warfare was going on during that 21 days. For 21 days, there was a battle happening. Uh, Pam, Pam had no clue, you know, not, you know, sometimes, is she out of the room? Pam out of the room? No, the other Pam, Pam Browning. Sometimes I would think Pam's blonde because she don't have a clue. No, I don't mean it that way. Pam didn't have a clue. There she is. Sometimes I would think Pam is blonde because she doesn't have a clue. She she didn't have a clue of what I was going to preach on this morning. And we pulled out two songs that we hadn't done in forever and a day, so to speak. And done them this morning, and, and rightly so, because the one, the words to that one song, and the and the one that chased some fear is a liar, and I, I want the other one. Show me your glory. I won't be afraid. Listen to me. Understand when we begin to read Daniel chapter ten, and you flip over there in your Bibles and notice, if you would, in verse number twelve. Then he continued, "Do not be afraid." God said to Daniel, do not be afraid. Listen, fear is the enemy of faith. Fear is the enemy of faith. Faith, faith will, will cause fear to come or to manifest if you would. And then I want you to remember this. The word of God says that fear, if you want to use the King James Version, hath torment. Or fear brings torment. 
Fear, fear will do, uh, do us no good. Fear will pull us down. Fear will cause us to, 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 uh, to walk around and, and impact our faith and it can hinder our faith and and, and Daniel, even though he's in fasting and he's in prayer, it's evident that Daniel was battling fear. Otherwise, God would not said, don't fear. It was, it was understandable, this vision that Daniel was seeing. It had brought fear into his life. But yet God is saying, do not fear. The circumstances of the world right now, I have heard so many, I have heard Christian people, I've read posts on social media Christian people have made how worried, how fearful how concerned they were about what is going to happen from this point onward, but I want you to know this, when you have God you have nothing to fear Jesus is with us, this is the same God that that, that when, the, when the Israelites were backed up against the Red Sea and they saw the dust of an Egyptian army coming across the desert this were the ones they couldn't, have, they couldn't stand to be afraid it wasn't for them to be afraid. But when, when the time was right, God opened the waters. It, it's, it's the same principle of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they found themselves being tossed into that furnace. They couldn't allow fear to stop them. They said, you know, if, you know, hey, if we come out, we're good. If we don't, we're good. But there was a third man that was in there, or a fourth man in there walking around with them. Understand this. We cannot let fear overwhelm us and overtake us right now. The church is still the backbone of the United States of America. And without the church, then America would have something to fear. So, I prefer to think about this angel of the Lord when you study out Daniel. And we don't have... Time to get in all of that this morning. But when you, when you study this out, many times in the Old Testament there is a reference made to the angel of the Lord. I personally believe the theology that the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Okay? You see, Jesus just wasn't invented when he was born on Christmas Day. He wasn't invented when, uh, when the angel came by and said to Mary, you shall conceive. Jesus, because Jesus is God. And I personally believe that it's the pre-incarnate Jesus that is manifesting himself in the presence of Daniel here. And he says this to Daniel. He, he says to Daniel, I heard you from the first time you prayed. I heard you from the beginning. I heard you the second day. I heard you the third day. I heard you the fourth day. Get my drift. I heard you every single day. Now, now, now Daniel's feeling like heaven's brassed over. Daniel's feeling like everything's nothing, nothing's happening here. Nothing's going good. But I want you to understand that, that God, God is saying everything is well. He said, because I heard you. You see, oh, let me say this. In, in the Pentecostal realm, 
Okay? In the Pentecostal realm, and we're, we're a Pentecostal church, okay? We, you know, unless you consider yourself charismatic, and that's okay, you know, sometimes I, I, I never cared much for the word charismatic. It sounded like a transmission out of a 53 Buick. You know, uh, you know, I got, I got a flat head, you know, I got an overhead valve with charismatic transmission in it. You know, but, but, but as Pentecostals, as Pentecostals, I hear so much talk, I hear so much said about feeling. Oh, I can feel Jesus. I can feel the Lord. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? It's nothing wrong with feeling the presence of the Lord. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Nothing wrong. With, in fact, I enjoy feeling the presence of the Lord. I enjoy feeling God. But I also know that there's those times and seasons of my life that I have to walk by faith and not by sight. I have to walk when I don't feel it. I have to walk when I do feel it. I have to walk when it seems like heaven is brassed over. It may be three weeks. It may be three months. It could be three years. But I've got to keep on walking in faith and with a confidence in knowing that God is still in control. He's still seated on the throne and His Son is seated at His right hand and He is there making intercession for us. In fact, Paul confirmed that to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. He says, There is one mediator between God and man and it is the man, it is the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to know you, you to know this. When Jesus left this world and He ascended back to heaven, He took His rightful place at the right hand of God and from that time on some 2,000 plus years ago Jesus has been the mediator for humanity this world and God the Father and He is still doing it today so there's not a prayer that you can pray there's not there's not anything that you can anguish over there's not a tear that you can shed that God is not aware of because Jesus is there making intercession for you and I so he's heard us from the start. And then when you go down into, on into verse 12, in verse 12 we find there, therein lies the reassuring response. The reassuring response. I have come. I have come to you. When we read that verse 12 again, he said, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response. I have come in response. Now, I can't tell you why. You don't have to talk to the Lord about that. But, but it's not, it's not unusual. There was some guy named Lazarus. His family all wanted him, wanted Jesus to come by and heal him. And he came by, it was four days too late. There's other people that uh, 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 that had already been put in in caskets, if you would, if it was our day and time. And they were on their way to the graveyard before Jesus ever showed up. 21 days, Daniel's been praying, and, 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 and then, it, then the, the, uh, the presence of God shows up in the situation. Took three weeks. You see, we, we're sitting around and, and, and we're saying, oh, 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 when's God coming? Listen to this. Second Chronicles chapter 7. You can mark that and go there later. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. The Lord said this, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, 
or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land. Only thing that tells me people, God was, God was hearing from Daniel and God just needs to hear from us today. He just needs us to start crying out to him and listen, don't go, don't hang our heads in defeat. Don't bury our heads in the sand. But he needs us more than ever before. We need to be praying and seeking the face of God. You want to know why? Because this battle, Dr. Phillips actually touched on this in great detail in our revival a couple weeks ago. I believe it was in Sunday night. Because the war that's going on right now, the war that was occurring with Daniel, that Daniel saw, or that the Lord told Daniel about, when 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 this angel, uh, when this angel of the Lord says to Daniel, "I heard you from the first time you prayed, but I have been doing war in the heavenlies with the prince of Persia ever since you began to pray." I want you to understand that is probably could very well be one of, if not the most significant illustration of spiritual warfare that is given to us in Scripture. Understand this. What is going on in our world around us, it has really nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with government. It doesn't really have a whole lot to do with power between men or and women, if you would. It has nothing to do with with racial racial domination. It has nothing to do with any of those things at all. But what is going on in the world today, and you say, man, Pastor, you're just making it all really simple when you say this, and that's because it is simple. It is nothing more than a warfare against darkness against light, light against darkness. It is nothing more than spiritual warfare that is unfolding. It's always been there. It's always been around. It was around in Daniel's day. It was around when Jesus walked the earth. It's been been around since Jesus ascended back to heaven. It's been around since Pentecost fell on the day of Pentecost in that upper room. It's been, it was around through the Great Awakening. It was around through the Jesus movement and it's still around today. But I would leave you with this thought. I'm not going to leave you, but I'll interject this thought that, that the spiritual warfare is growing more and more and more intense right now than it's ever been before. You see, we're a generation that, 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 that we're, we're not seeing the persecution of the early church, but I do think that we're seeing a greater intensity of spiritual warfare on, on, on a magnitude, on a large scale, more than any generation before us. So it's a war against the righteous kingdom of God. God affirmed Jehoshaphat in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. God affirmed this to Jehoshaphat. He says, listen, Jehoshaphat. He said, the battle is not yours, but it's God's. You see, when we realize that, that this, this battle is, is, is not against my neighbor because he had a different sign in my yard than I had. This, 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 this battle is not against the person driving down the, the road that passes me because they have a different sticker on the back of their car than I have. That, that, and I realize we, 
there is a realm where we need to stand for our rights and all like that. And I'm not saying we should just lay down and roll over, so to speak. But what I am saying to us is we need to understand that spiritual warfare is occurring. There, the, the spiritual warfare that, that, that Jesus encountered in the atmosphere, in the, whether it be the third heaven or wherever it, wherever it occurred at, understand with me that that intensity of warfare, I believe with all of my heart is going on right now. If you stick with me, I'll tell you why. The wars get to righteous. Jehoshaphat faced the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the people of Seir. He should have been consumed. But the word of the Lord proved true. The battle is not yours, but it's God's. God took the battle for Jehoshaphat. God will take our battle if we will turn to Him, if we will seek Him, if we will pursue after Him. Because I want you to know, if you go back to your scriptures there in Daniel, when you go down, I didn't read this, I didn't have it printed out, even out of order. But when you go on down to to, when you begin to read Daniel chapter 10 verse 16, then one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and I began to speak. And I said to the one standing before me, I'm I'm overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I am helpless. And I am helpless. You see, what happens is Jesus gets involved in our lives. You might not think this, but Jesus wants to be involved in your life. Jesus wants to be involved in this country. Jesus wants to be involved in everything that's going on in the world. So, and someday God's plan is going to be revealed. If you read on down a little bit further into the 11th chapter of Daniel, and verse number 2 says, Now then I tell you the truth. Three more kings will appear in Persia, and then a fourth who will be far richer than others. When he has gained power by his wealth, he will stir every one up against the kingdom of Greece. I want you to know, the enemy is not stopping. The enemy is not relaxing. The devil is not giving up. But the church prevails every time. The church prevails. Read the back of the book. The church is the winner. The church is the winner. And the the princes of Persia all put together all of the princes that can be gathered from the four corners of the earth are no match for Jehovah because he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords so someday God's plan is going to be revealed but here's the question and I can't answer this question I have my opinion okay that's part of the problem where we're at in the world today. Every opinions, uh, you know, somebody used to say opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. They all look different. You know. But here's the thing about opinions. Some of us, some of our opinions are probably good. Some of them are probably not so good. But here's where I'm at with you. Could we, could we be the generation that sees the unveiling? The revealing. Now, I'm, I just had a birthday this week. Faith, Faith called me and sang happy birthday to me. Ain't that special? Made me feel good. Made me feel young. Then I'm, I'm over at Royal King and 
I've been in Royal King Park a lot and I see this elderly lady trying to lift these heavy bundles of water in her back of her car. And I go over and I help her lift them four bundles because I'm still feeling young. I've been blessed for my birthday. They said, thank you, Pastor, for loading my water for me. <laughs> Listen to me, I, I just turned 59 years old, okay? I, I was raised in the Episcopal Church. Later in life, uh, at, a, at a, an Assemblies of God church in my teenage years, um, I came, I started a journey with Jesus. I didn't understand that journey too much in the, in the first several years. I, I didn't know a whole lot about it. I was just learning. I'm still learning, you know, all these years later. But then, then I got over to the, went over into the Pentecostal holiness movement. But I've been hearing ever since I can remember at least going to the Assemblies of God Church because my first encounter with Jesus, uh, you younger people, y'all, you're, you're probably not going to have a clue about what I'm talking about. But back years ago, they had these things. They were called Bell and Howell projectors. And they were big blue machines and they had two big wheels about this big on them. And one wheel was full of black colored tape and the other wheel would be empty. And that machine, they would turn it on and it would start going. And the tape would start running through that machine and going up on that other wheel. From one wheel to the other wheel. But what the miraculous thing was, while it went through that machine, there was pictures that appeared on the wall. They called it a movie projector. And I can remember, and this of course was in the 70s, I can remember sitting in that little Assembly of God church and watching a movie that was entitled On the Road to Armageddon. I didn't have a clue what Armageddon was. And of course the quality of movie in the 70s, you can about imagine, you know, and it was, it was not a highly, you know, there was not a lot of money, it was not a high quality, highly produced movie. It was a Christian movie, and you think Christian movies now are like B quality. You should have seen them back then. But I watched this movie on the road to Armageddon, and this movie on the road to Armageddon it depicts a family. See, and I'm telling you, I remember this stuff from years ago. It depicts a family, a family that that didn't give that didn't give the Lord a thought, the time of day, and this and the Lord came, the rapture, the catching away. We, the rapture is what we call it. The raptory means catching away. The rapture of the church occurred and this family is left behind. And the, the movie depict the battle of Armageddon. It, it depicted all of the evil being unleashed on the world and in the world. It even went as far... I, I remember one, one portion of the movie I remember very, very, very vividly. And it was the part that depicted the actual battle in the valley of Armageddon. Sarah and I stood on one mountainside, looked across the other mountainside. Let me, let me tell you something. Armageddon is way bigger than one of these little hollers around here. Armageddon is like, if you've ever been up towards Waynesboro or Harrisonburg, Virginia on, on Interstate 81 and you look across the Shenandoah Valley, that's about what the Valley of Armageddon looks like. But the Bible says that the blood will run so deep in that valley that, that it will run up to the horse's bridles. 
didn't understand a lot about it, but it gripped my heart, okay? It gripped my heart. And I didn't know what the Holy Ghost was, never even heard of Him, but He, he began to draw me in that day. But enough, enough of my testimony, enough of my story. But here's the thing. I've been hearing ever since then. Jesus is coming. It used to be a song that was sung. In fact, I, I had a friend of mine that it was the new inspirations for you, for you older ones. The, the inspirations, they're still around, but it's a, it's a whole new bunch of younger guys now. But a pastor friend of mine just sang with them the other, do, other night in a service. You know what the song they sang? Same song I heard them when my mom listened to them back in the seventies. And that song said, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom, trumpets will sound. I've been hearing Jesus is coming for a long, long time. Have I ever doubted it? I I, I have to be very honest and say, no, I've never doubted it. Have there been times that I thought, this must be the time, this must be the season? Yes. But I have to also honestly say, I can't ever remember a time like we're in right now. When everything is coming into alignment and it's happening very, very quick. Whether you realize it or not. Now, is Jesus coming today? He could. So you're saying that he might not. He might not. But he can. You see, because we teach as most evangelical churches, most evangelical churches, Pentecostal churches, uh, teach and believe the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means He can come back at any time, by any means, any hour of the day. Now, R.W. Shambach said, there have been a lot of people predicted when the Lord was going to come back. They come up with these crazy calendars and all kinds of this stuff, and none of them's hit it yet. R.W. Shambach, the late R.W. Shambach said, I know exactly when Jesus is coming back. He said he's coming back on the day of the Lord in an hour that you think not. It's not about stars coming into alignment. It's not something, ooh. But we're seeing the scriptures that we find in Daniel. That we find in Revelation. That we find in, in Matthew 23, 24, 25. We're seeing those things unfolding. They've been unfolding for a long time, but we're seeing them unfold in an escalated pace, an accelerated pace. I believe with all my heart, Jesus is coming soon. So like no other generation before us, it's imperative that we seek the Lord. Out of whatever happens in the next, between December 14th or January 20th, whatever happens, 
maybe you weren't even disappointed. Maybe you're excited about the, the results. But, but, but either side of it, whatever happens, what we need to do as people, we need to realize that, that things are unfolding rapidly in front of us and we need to seek God. We need to have our lamps, as the scripture says, trimmed and burning. We need to have our lives in order and we need to pray. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. Last scripture I'm going to share with you today. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. We've got a world that's smarter than it's ever been before. We've got innovations. Listen, we've, we've, we, we, we've got innovations like, like, who in the world would have ever thought of this? Sarah's Aunt Lenny was born up here in Tazewell County in Horsepen. And a few years, she lived to be 97. A few years before her death, she was, uh, which is, she's been gone, I guess, about five years now. Uh, so, so this has been within 10 years ago. She, uh, Sarah's dad drove Lenny back up to Horsepen. She said, this is what Lenny said. She said, they ruined the place. She said, they ruined it. She said, every, every road up in the horse pen's got pavement on it now. She said, when we, she said, back when I was a girl growing up, she said, we had horse and buggy. She said, we had Ford to Creek three or four times just to get to the store where we was going. They ruined it. They put pavement all over the roads. This generation that we live in, the, especially the generation and many of us in this room probably not, existed from 1948 and afterwards. We have seen more develop. We have seen more technology. We have seen more display of intelligence. We have seen more occur in our lifetime than perhaps all the other generations of Americans before us combined. I said we can't depend too much on feelings. And we can't. I depend on the word that Jesus said he's coming back. But I also have a feeling. I also have a feeling that we could very well be that generation. Now will it be today? Can't tell you it will, but I can't tell you it won't. Will it be tomorrow? Can't tell you it will, but I can't tell you it won't. Will it be in 2021? Can't tell you it will, but I can't tell you it won't. But I can tell you this. Jesus is coming after a church. He's coming after a bride. He's coming after us. And listen, He is not going to let His bride be abused, mutilated, and abused before He comes by to pick her up. He's coming by for a bride that's adorned and ready for the wedding. So lift up your head, lift up your voices, and worship the King of Kings because God is still in control. Can you stand to your feet with me right now? I just want you to ask you one thing this morning. If you're not, if you're in this room, or if you're watching by social media, if you're not saved, right now is a good time to give your heart to the Lord. If you've never, if you've never built that relationship by accepting Him as Jesus, Lord of your life, right now is a good time. Would you just pray with me? 
Father God, I pray, Lord, right now, Lord, that you would forgive us of every sin, of every iniquity, Lord. You'll wash us. You'll cleanse us, Lord God. Lord, let our hearts be centered upon you. Lord, let our spirits, let our souls be on fire for you, Lord. And I pray right now, Lord God, let your redemptive work be alive in every person that prays this prayer. Lord, save them. Deliver them from the bondages of sin. Pull them out, Lord, of the fire, Lord God. And Lord, let your redemption, Lord God, be manifest in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray and we believe that. This morning, if you prayed a prayer of that sort with me, just believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Declare Him. Go out today if you prayed that prayer. Go out and find, I don't know why the number eight comes to my mind, but go out and find you eight people and tell them that today the Lord saved your soul because you believed Him in faith. Now I want to ask you another question. And I, I just feel like we need to move rapidly here. But I want to ask you the question. Are you here today? Is your heart overwhelmed with fear? Are you overwhelmed? Are you discouraged right now because of everything that's going on? This is what I want you to do right now. I ask them to go back to that song, Fear is a Liar. Right now, if you're overwhelmed with fear, if you are apprehensive right now, if anxiety is overtaking you right now, I just want you to lift your hands to heaven right now. That's a universal sign of surrender. Right now, I want you to surrender. And I want you to say, God, I give it up to you. God, I give it up to you. I release everything to you. Declare with me right now. Fear is a liar. Fear hath torment. And fear has no place to operate in my life. Today, Lord, I will not be a person of fear, but I will be of sound mind. And I will be of sound judgment. Because you are my God. And you, Lord, are the Prince of Peace. You're the Prince of Peace. You are my propitiation. Lord, you are my redemption. Lord, and I trust you. So today, Lord, Lord, today we fight off all fear in the name of Jesus. Lord, we declare liberty. Lord, we declare freedom. Lord, we declare peace of mind, Lord, in the name of Jesus today, Lord. We declare those things over our lives. We're not going to try to work it out. We're going to trust you, Lord, to bring us out. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. And we praise you today. If anybody in this room desires special prayer, we're going to go ahead and say goodbye to our Facebook audience. But if there's anybody in this room that would like special prayer to be anointed...